there were these men um, that were just genuinely, you know, good men, citizens of the kingdom that had contracted a terrible disease in the time of the word of God. It still exists today, actually, um, much more contained than them. But um, they, they contracted leprosy. Leprosy was the kiss of death. It was an agonizing way to go as it was uh, a, a disease that would eat at your muscles and your skin and your bone and it would cause appendages to fall off. Uh, terrible gangrene would set in and people would die these terrible deaths and what they would do in those days is they had to quarantine and the only way they could do that was actually take those men or those women and put them in camps outside of the city walls so that they would not infect other people and so here they are isolated in pain agony they are no doubt uh, sad because of the uh, being separated from their families uh, could you imagine right now if you're married being separated from your husband or your wife or how about your children and forever you're just going to die they just left you out there to die like a dog there's nothing you can do about it well these four men became I guess partners if you will they became friends and sort of looked after each other and took care of one another and there was a great famine, the Bible says, that was in the land. A great famine had taken place in, in Jerusalem and, and in, in the whole region, actually. And um, until they were, they were eating donkeys' heads and, and they actually, actually they were eating, selling uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, dung of animals to eat. I mean, it just got terrible, 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 terrible. And so people were dying because of starvation. And here they are out there. They're also dying, but they're dying not just of starvation. They're dying of their leprosy with no hope. And so they, they made a decision one night. I don't know what all took place and where this came from, this gumption, uh, this tenacity to, to make this kind of a decision. But they could smell the food being cooked off in the distance by one of their enemy camps. Because at that time... The enemy had set themselves around Jerusalem and around the camp of Israel in order to maybe take advantage of their plight and what they were going through with the starvation and, and the drought. And so they said, let us go. They could smell the food. You know, food is a very powerful thing. How many ever fasted before? If you've ever fasted, you know what I'm telling you. I don't know what happens. I'm not sure how this works. But you, you get a bionic nose, praise God. I remember the $6 million man, praise God. That would be like $600 million man now, but amen. But back then it was about $6 million bucks, and he had bionics, you know, arms and limbs, made him stronger and faster. And, and I, I don't know if he had a nose or not, but I'm, in t I'm telling you, when I fast, I got a bionic nose. I can smell 500 uh, feet in one way, one direction, turn a corner, go down the street for about a mile, Praise God. It's like, it's like I can signal it, praise God, and I can smell somebody cooking something in the kitchen. Praise God. I don't, know how, I don't even know how that works. Stuff in my pantry that I would never eat ordinarily that's been sitting there for five and ten years, praise God, because it's got a shelf life of 20, and it's just sitting there. All of a sudden, it looks delicious. They were hungry. They could smell. Their senses were, 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 were heightened and they could smell the smells of their enemies cooking their dinner in the night air of that incredible, uh, camp, the terrible camp that they were at. And they made a decision, let us go and beg food from our enemies. At least they would have mercy on us and we could eat with a full belly and die the next day. 
They were gonna die anyways. Why don't we just die with a full belly? Let's go get us some food. The Bible says that they made, it, they made a pact with one another and they begin to walk toward them. Now they think we, if we die by the sword, by their hand, at least they put us out of our misery or they may feed us, have mercy on us and feed us and we die later, but with a full belly. But now they're walking. Now what are they walking on? They are walking in faith, trusting in hope that when they get there, what their desire is will be met when they're there. They're in such place of desperation that they need a miracle and they're thinking crazy thoughts. They need a breakthrough. They're thinking crazy thoughts. that You know what? Just maybe our enemies actually may feed us. They got leprosy, y'all. Nobody wants to feed a leopard. They don't want to touch them. But in their mind, they're going, but, 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 but we know that if we just make that journey there and we, we, we get there, they could, might have mercy on us. And so they started to walk. And the Bible says that something happened along the way. As they begin to walk, the Bible says their enemies did not hear four men walking across the desert floor, dragging their feet because they were hurting so bad and helping each other up because they kept falling up and down. Men that literally would would be no problem for them to defeat in just two seconds. And all of a sudden, the the Bible says that when they, they, the men begin to walk on the journey in faith to begin to get fed, the Bible says that the enemies heard the sounds of chariots and horses rushing across the desert floor and when they got there the enemy was so afraid that they were being bombarded and ambushed by their enemies that they left everything as it was and they ran for their lives into the hill and they left all that chicken and macaroni come on and cheese come on talk to me somebody ribs pizza spaghetti and a meatball Amen. Was all left at the campfire and they ate till their hearts content and then went back and told the king, you're not going to believe this, and said, if you'll come follow us, we can feed Israel today. And they left all their spoils and the drought or the famine that we've been in is now over. God used four men, unlikely people, that if they just said, they made up their mind, I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight, have hope and trust that I will be taken care of. Something happened along the way because they owned Utilize their faith. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. Church, faith is the requirement for breakthrough in your life. How many of you need a breakthrough this morning in your life somewhere, somehow? Then you're in the right place. It's going to require your faith for that breakthrough to take place. Let, Let me tell you where faith is challenged the most. When you have a strong perception that you are failing, when you have a perception that you are failing, your faith will begin to wane and whittle away. You'll see no hope because you are failing. Making failure is one thing. You have fail, making failures is one thing, but never make fail yours. Someone say Amen. Don't personalize and make you feel like this is who I am. I'm just a big failure. You know, what I'm doing might fail, but I'm not the failure. Somebody say amen. And let me make this statement, and I've said this so many times over the years because it just holds true. There is no such thing as failure to a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it to this side. There's no such thing as failure to a believer in Jesus Christ. I said there's no such thing as a failure to a believer in Jesus Christ. 
What looks like failure to the untrained eye is actually your moment of transition. What looks like there's no way out is the very thing that God will use to get you out. You can, go through, you can go through the scripture and they're replete with stories how Joseph was left for dead by his brothers in a pit and sold into slavery and then, and then lied about in Potiphar's house by the woman of the house and said that he tried to rape her. He did not. He's being honorable to his master. She got mad and yelled rape. Ends up in prison. Now he's in prison for God knows how long and there he's doing nothing but walking by faith and not by sight. You'll not find Joseph cursing God. You'll not find Joseph causing problems. You'll not find find Joseph being upset with God and saying this is how you treat your people I'm done but you will find Joseph operating in his ministry you will find Joseph uh, you will find Joseph interpreting dreams right in the prison cell come on somebody and then it looked like a failure he was a failure to everyone else around him but he knew he had a secret God gave him a dream and that dream was a lot I wonder how many people God in this room God gave a dream to and you feel like you failed and you've stumbled and you've messed up get up by faith and begin to say I'm moving forward I'm not going to stop till I get what God has promised me children of Israel look like an absolute failure at the Red Sea, absolute failure. And, the, and they were coming to get him and Pharaoh was trying to take them back into Egypt and everything else. It looked like complete failure, but God had something designed for them. He said, quit complaining and belly aching. What do you have in your hand, Moses? I got a, I got a, stake, a stave, staff. He said, then take it and, and lift it up over the waters and divide the waters. And he did it. And the Bible says the waters receded and they walked across on dry ground. No, 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 no. The Israelites did not get drowned that day. But who did? Those they owed all the money to. Those that were the troublemakers. Those that were the hard taskmasters. They died that day. In other words, it was their biggest transition of their entire life, what looked like a failure. How about, how about Jesus going to the cross? He, he, they could not believe what, he was, what he, was, he was doing and had to put up with. They couldn't believe it. They thought for sure he'd be able to get down from that cross, but he did not. They didn't have the full revelation of it yet, but the Bible talks about he went there, and they looked at him, and they all left him that day. Why did they leave him? They saw him as a failure. But it was not a failure. The cross wasn't a failure. It was the greatest transition man has ever known. Jesus would be raised from the dead, and now all mankind can be saved. Somebody say amen. Listen, it was so-called failure that transitioned my wife and I to Milwaukee. And you heard some of the stories before but we were having struggles in Madison and we couldn't get the church to grow and there just wasn't a certain grace upon it the way we wanted it to be and we thought that it should be. And, and to be honest with you, we were right. There really wasn't that grace on it the way we needed it to be to grow that church. And that's when God spoke to me. I had a vision and in the vision, I saw a cloud and in the cloud I saw arms extended from the cloud and, and they were all different ethnicities. And I heard voices in the cloud say, please come, we need you here. Please come, we need you here. And God spoke to me, says, you're in the wrong place. I need you in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we packed up our stuff, closed our little church down, and we came here to Milwaukee, and we didn't know anybody. It's like we didn't know anybody there. And you want to tell you something? It's difficult to repeat the same process, thinking you might get the same results, but saying, I know that, I know that, I know that I've heard God. 
But what looked like a failure in Madison became the greatest transition point of our life to the place that we've been here all these years. We've seen thousands of people come to Jesus Christ. We've had, we've had people be raised in leadership. We've had people that found their mates in this place, including my two children found their mates in this place and got married and got their own families. Now, I'm telling you, God was in it, but it looked like a failure. Don't allow the failure to cause you to quit what God told you you could do. I'm not getting enough claps in this place because I know I'm talking to people. You're soaking it in because you're going, my God, this is reading my mail. This is right where I'm at. You must be careful to have the right perception during these times because your perception becomes your reality. Whether it be a good one or a bad one, whatever your perception is will become your reality. No, no, what it, I mean, I've had this happen to me before. There's a man years ago, and, and I was at a, a Walgreens. Now, Walgreens can be wild, y'all. And some, some Walgreens can be, can, be, can be a little bit nutty, you know? And so I always want to go in, get my stuff, and get out. It's a simple process for me. I know what I want. I go in, I get out. I will not be manipulated by the things around me for sale. Praise God. I go in, and I go out. And it was packed. I went in there and it was, it was the middle of the day and it was packed. And so I got my item and I saw, as I'm getting my item, I saw a very tall gentleman walk in, couldn't miss him. And he's, gosh, he had to be at least 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, Big tall guy, bus driver, comes in and he knows everybody. At least he's acting like he does because he's talking to everybody in the store loud. I mean loud. Hey, how you doing, man? And now you can't hear everything he's making everything out, but you can tell he's a Christian because he's saying amen and praise the Lord, right? So he's talking to people and he's getting his stuff as he's talking and I get, I get in the line and, and so he's moving his way to the line as well. And now I'm about five people, six people in. There's a couple, few people behind me. And now here he comes. He's talking to everybody now and he's coming into the line, right? And I'm thinking, dear God, please. Please don't let him get talking over this line. I just want to get in and get out because he's talk, trying to talk to everybody, anybody who will talk to him. And um, gets in line, sure enough, he's back there and he starts preaching. Now, I know I'm a preacher and I know that I should have been more sensitive and I know that I should have probably been right alongside him saying amen, but I just wanted to get my stuff and I just wanted to go. Let's have church on Sunday, not right now, praise God. That was my mindset. And so he's having church right where he's at. He don't care. He's as happy as can be. And so he's talking to people, and now he's starting to give people words of knowledge, praise God. He's starting to say, the Lord shows me the Bible. Oh, Lord Jesus, please. You know, I don't always trust people who give words of knowledge. I'll be honest with you, because sometimes I think they're practicing on you a little bit, and they haven't yet got to that place where they're mature enough, and, and so they're going to practice a little bit. And I just don't want to be practiced on, praise God. So, uh, and I think, at least I'm three people, and the line's starting to move. So now then, he starts to address the entire line. Hey, you, and you. He starts to talk to everybody. Now the whole thing, the whole process stops. He's talking to everybody. I'm kind of looking up like this every now and again and looking back, you know, back. And next thing you know, he's got people that I know ain't saved in that line saying, amen, amen. He's preaching. And next thing I know, okay, okay, we're getting close to the line. And I thought, oh God, thank you, Jesus. I'm at the place. He didn't stop me. He didn't give me a word. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful to God. He's not gonna practice on me today. Praise the Lord. Now this is my perception of this man. This is my perception. So I, I put my stuff down. I'm trying to hurry up, hurry up, grab myself, put it in the bag. As I'm walking, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to that door. And that door opens, and all of a sudden, the man says, sir, 
sir. And I know he's talking to me. So I happen to look back. He goes, you, you there. I said, yeah. He goes, the Lord, give me a word for you. I said, oh, dear Jesus, please, Lord, help me. I turned back. Remember, that's my perception. I turned back. I said, yeah, yeah, okay. Like that, he goes, the Lord shows me you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, yeah, amen, I'm a preacher. He said, you, you pastor in town here. You're a pastor in this city. I said, yeah, yeah, I am. Lord shows me you went through a really terrible betrayal. I said, yes, sir. He goes, Lord shows me that it was a real tough time financially for the church. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. And he said, now, now, now the guy's got my attention. I'm amen, praise God, amen. And he says, here's what the Lord tells me. He begins to prophesy to me. He said, all that was not for naught. God's going to swing that thing around. You're going to find it's going to be better than it ever was. God said, he, God said he did a sweeping through the church. But he said, now then, God's going to begin to raise. And he starts nailing stuff that only me and God could know. And by this time, my bag's at my feet. I'm crying. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> in the middle of a Walgreens. Come on, somebody. Thank God for Holy Ghost, anointed Bus driving preachers. They can pray for me anytime, praise God. But your perception becomes your reality. I wonder how much we miss out in life because we perceive the situation a certain kind of way. Like, oh, they're white people. Oh, they're black people. Oh, they're Asian people. Oh, uh, you know, uh, they, uh, um, you know uh, they're those kinds of folks. I, I, I will tell you that pastoring, past, we pastor all kinds of people, obviously, and, and you kind of get a feel for your people. And I look at the people that God sends me as my people, I guess you can call it that way. I mean, even Moses, even God said, he said, I'm going to deal with your people, Moses. He even said that. And then he made sure God knew they're your people. Praise God. You know, but my point is, is that I see it as a collective and I thank God for that. But it's interesting that sometimes you'll, you'll get certain phone calls or certain things in the church and go, oh, man, that's one of them call. Oh, no, that's not going to be a good thing. You know, they're just going to want my attention, and then they're not going to actually be sincere. And you, we get a lot of that, a lot of that. And so it's hard. So that's why we have other pastors and elders, church our size, to be able to help, you know, with, with some of that. And um, so anyways, we get a, uh, an email and then a phone call, a particular person. And I'm not taking, they, 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 they wanted to talk to me. I said, well, the, you know, the protocol is we, someone I don't know will go through the, pro, the process of one of our pastors or elders. And then, of course, if it, if it, if it goes, to, goes to me, it goes to me. That's fine. But this is the protocol. It'll be good. I just did not feel safe for some reason taking this particular phone call. And um, I fought it. And I fought it. Next week, it was brought up again. Hey, they want, still want to talk to you. They don't want to talk to anybody else. Well, that kind of made me mad. Because I'm like, well, we have a system, man. I got the system in place, follow the system. Now you're being rebellious and you don't want to follow the system. Eh, I don't care no more. You can just you're gonna follow the system. You can talk to me, but you got to go through the protocol. So, um, so anyways, um, and, and, and all of a sudden, um, uh, the next week after that, I kind of forgot about it. My daughter, she was going through the emails and she said, Dad, uh, you never called this woman back. I said, yeah, I know, but I, she knows she can get a hold of me, but she's got to go through the system. I'm going to make her do it now because I don't like her attitude. And, uh, and so he said, uh, he, she said, well, Dad, I, I really think that, you know, you need to take this call. I really feel like it's the Lord, which really ticked me off, praise God. And I was so mad. I'm not taking the call. I'm not going to do it. And it just grated on me. About half a day went by. The Holy Ghost got a hold of me and said, 
you make this phone call. Make this phone call. So I made the phone call. Side and see, don't know what the trouble is. Don't know what's going on. They won't tell anybody anything. So I'm going blind. If you've ever done that before, it's kind of nervous because you don't know what they're going to say. So, um, so I called and very sweet lady answers the phone and she says, I didn't know if you're ever going to call me back. I said, well, you have no idea. I really wasn't. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but anyways, and so she said, well, uh, I heard you preaching and um, you're talking about the uh, Passover offering. And she's watching, by the way, because she, she watches every week. She goes, I don't go to the church physically, but I watch every week online. And she says, I just really wanted to be a part of the Passover. Is it too late to get involved in, 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 in giving some, an offering? I said, well, no, it's not, it's not too late at all. And, and I said, well, be you know, glad to receive the offering. I showed her how to do it online. She goes, well, I don't really know how to do that. And I said, well, you can mail it. She goes, well, I don't feel comfortable with that. Can you have somebody come and pick it up? Like, this lady actually wants to go out now and go to her house and pick stuff up. We don't even do stuff like that. And so, so, so I said, sure, we can do that. We could do that. I'm thinking, you know, whatever she gives, praise God, it is what it is. But I'm not thinking nothing that's that of that much value. Who cares? It doesn't matter. What, it's relative to the person that gives. But in my mind, no big deal. I'm just being honest with y'all. Can I be honest with y'all? Just being honest. I, I've been doing this for a long time, and so sometimes it's, that's the way it is. Like 99% like of times, that's the way that it is. And so, yes, we can take care of it. And, she, and I, said, I said, can I pray with you before we get off the phone? She said, absolutely. When I tell you that the Spirit of God came on me, as if I was in a Holy Ghost, like, revival camp meeting. I, I can't explain it. The power of God nails me. I begin to prophesy over this woman. She's crying like a baby over the phone. I'm nailing it. Bang, 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 bang. And I mean, I'm talking about, I went from zero to 60 out of nowhere. No fuel in the tank. No prophetic nothing. Didn't feel spiritual about much, to be honest with you. Just being honest. And, and all of a sudden, the power of God nails me. And I'm nailing her with the word of the Lord. I thought, what in the world was that? She was so thankful. And I was, man, I don't feel great. And I talked to her a little longer on the phone. Very nice, very nice lady. And um, we talked for a little while and stuff about her family. But anyways, um, got off the phone. I was fired up. Who else can I call? Praise God. I'm ready to, let's call people. Because my, my real payday is not the money. My payday is the anointing. Oh, my God. When you get that anointing, it's like, I want to just, ooh, let me pray for some people. I know God's in this place. And I, I, did, I did call some people. So, and I prayed for them, <laughs> praise God. It was great. But then, uh, so I called, um, I called the office. I said, hey, we need to pick up this um, envelope at such and such a place. No problem, they did. Got it back that day, got a call. And uh, they said to me, said, uh, uh, Pastor, did you happen to know what they're picking up? I said, yeah, it's gonna be a check uh, for the Passover offering. Just put it in the offering and we'll count it a part of the church and I'll give the church the amount and it'll be great. He said, um, do you, did you know what the amount was? I said, no, I didn't, I didn't have a, I didn't ask. I didn't think about it, you know. I said, I'll tell you what, all I know is, I said, it was whatever it was, it was by faith for this lady because it was, the anointing was unreal. And that lady has my number. And um, I said, it's just powerful. And um, she wants to stay anonymous, by the way. And so uh, he said, well, uh, let me tell you what the number was. So go ahead. I'm thinking 20 bucks, 100 maybe, which is great for some people, wonderful. 
So if you see me driving my new truck, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it went right into the church. Praise God, it's right in the church because we're going to need that money because we got to get that. We're going to get that loan from the new, new banks coming up, so we're going to get that loan. But my point is, is that, is that I would have completely missed it because of perception I had about all the old calls I've had and they just turned out to be a disaster and it's like they don't want to listen to you they just want to cry a river and, and never listen to your instructions and I get that gets old after a while I'm the type of guy here's what the Bible says matter of fact I said this is me okay I'll let you call me praise God they tell me the problem I said did you listen last Sunday because last Sunday I covered every single thing that you, you yeah but I want to talk to you talking to me is not going to change it Get the word of God. Talk to the Holy Spirit. He'll change you forever. I'm just a man. I can't change you. Perception becomes your reality. Church walking by faith is not done with the five physical senses. It's actually done by revelation. Revelation is seeing the word of God come alive to you where there's light now, where there was darkness. And remember, Satan's objective is to get us to operate within the carnal laws of man where limitation and lack is an expected behavior. And, and how he does that is getting us to expect what we see and hear as the unchanging fact. So now all of a sudden we believe, believe that it's not possible because we've seen the circumstances. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, But as it's written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And I love that scripture, but there's, there's more to it. It doesn't stop there because we think, well, God's past knowledge. He's past understanding. He's, pre- he's prepared for us, but, it, but it, it hasn't even entered into us yet what, what, what our, even our desire is. But then it goes on and says, but God has revealed them to us through how? His spirit. So my job is not to live by my circumstances. My job is to live by the re- Revelation, the revealed knowledge of the Spirit of God. The more I know Him, the more I know His Word. I understand Him, the depths of who He is, the more confidence it brings to me. That, that there again, not to depend upon a person to solve your problems. It's okay to run things by people, but they're not your Savior. They're not going to. They're not going to have the answers that are going to be good to satisfy you. You've got to get your answers from the Spirit of God, and He has them. God needs faith to operate in the earth realm, so he used the faith of Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and Salome to roll that stone away. God had to have assistance. That he, now, the angels came by way. He, he looks for faith. He looks for somebody he can work with in the earth. He looks for an intercessor, the Bible says. And he used those women. I don't believe they knew they were going to be used that day, but certainly they were. And you've got to stop trying to figure things out with your natural mind. You've been designed to walk on a higher level than a natural person. This is the way God has designed us. And what did these women do? They received the word and then activated that word by going to a sealed, guarded tomb. Think of that, church. It's guarded by the Roman guard. They knew it was impossible to get into that in the natural, but something happened along the way as they were working it out. We sang that last song, Madi, and it's something in that song that's similar to this. Basically, you were working things out the whole time. And that song is a beautiful reminder that I may be thinking a certain way, but actually God behind the scenes in the spiritual realm has been working things out. See, something's happening along the way. Everybody say something's happening along the way. 
They told you they got 12 months to live, but something's happening along the way. They told you you got to get up out of your house. They're going to repossess your house, but something's happening along the way. They said you're going to lose your job because you didn't get the jab. Something's happening along the way. Something is happening right now in the spirit, saints. Who's ready to receive it by the spirit of the living God this morning? Come on. Hallelujah. Look, you're not waiting on God. And if you are, you're wrong. God's waiting on you. He's did everything, done everything he's need to do. Now it's time for us to, by faith, activate his word. Activate his word. What happens is when we don't do that, we get lazy. And we just do. Then we want to say, well, I'm just waiting on God. The fact is, you're lazy. That's all it is. The Bible has a lot to say about lazy people. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will rule but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Proverbs 24, 20, verse 4, the lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Proverbs 21, 25, the desire of the lazy man kills him for his hands refuse to labor. There's a scripture I didn't put in there that talks about the man so lazy he starves to death because he's too lazy even to put the spoon to his mouth. Proverbs 24, 30. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding, no revelation. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with needles. Its stone wall was broken down. No hedge of protection. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it, received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Your need will say, stick him up. Give me everything you got. Because you, there was no preparation in your life. In other words, the lazy man doesn't prepare. He just thinks that the vineyard will continue to give him the grapes every single year. But unless he's in there tilling the ground, repairing the wall, keeping it from the foxes who will eat the grapes, making sure that the weeds aren't growing up to choke the harvest, making the grapes smaller and smaller until they can't produce any longer. The lazy man will not do that. Everyone say, I will not be lazy with my dream. I will not be lazy with my destiny. And I will not be lazy with the things of God. All right, look at, look at Romans 10.10. 10. It says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the, mouth, uh, confession, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I believe by faith in my heart, but the way that I access that in the natural world, the first thing I do is I, if I believe it, it's going to come out of my mouth. Look, look at me, everybody. Whatever is in here is what you believe, okay? And the way we know what you believe is the things you talk about most. So you may believe wrong things. You may believe that you're going to lose your job. You may believe that you're going to die early. You may believe that, that, um, that people hate you. you may, whatever it might be. It's your, and, and that becomes your reality, and when it's true to you, you inside, it comes out of your mouth and confession brings possession. Did you catch that? Confession is made unto salvation. It brings to you what you have been speaking and it can bring salvation. 
There's a difference between doubt in your mind and doubt in your heart. Mark eleven twenty two says this. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God for surely I say to you, whoever says this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. In other words, he says, the key is that whatever you're speaking, you just don't doubt in your heart. Faith comes from the heart. And when you reach this level of walking in faith, then what happens? Faith literally has no backup plan. Faith isn't, it doesn't have a plan B or plan C. It just says, this is what God said. I may not arrive the way that I thought I was going to arrive there. There may be some detours and some things I've got to adjust, but the plan is still the plan. I'm still walking out what God has said. I don't have a safety net here. I'm just doing what God has asked me to do. That is when you know you are in true faith. Some of you are in true faith right now, but not because you want to be. You hate it right now. You love the safety, but you're in a place where you have no choice. And that no choice throws you to a place of either faith or doubt. And some of you are choosing, I'm choosing to believe God. That's why you got up this morning. That's why you came to the house of God. That's why you praise him. That's why you worship him. You may falter and fall, but you are not a failure. Amen, somebody. And so now you're plugging in and saying, I don't have another plan. This is all I've got. All my eggs literally are in this basket. And if the Lord doesn't come through for me, I will not make it. But I know that I know that I know that I know that he will. He's faithful to perform his word. John 4, 35, and this is how faith operates. Jesus speaking, do, not, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. He said, now they'll plan four more months for it to come. I want you to start planning right now that it's already it's on its way. That's how faith operates. Faith is always urgent. It's always right now. Now faith is. That's what the Bible says. And so I activate it. I'm moving now. I don't wait for tomorrow. I'm not procrastinating. I'm not going to be lazy about it. I'm going to step out in faith. Just recently, the Spirit of God, I asked him a few things. And I can't, I'm not at liberty to tell you what I asked, but I, I will tell you what he told me. He told me to turn to Luke chapter 5. And when I turned to Luke chapter 5, he showed me the answer. And this is what he said to me. And this is so powerful for our church because where we're going. But he just said, the Bible said he's being thronged by the crowds. And so he was up against the beach. And so he couldn't go back any further. He saw two boats. He chose one. It was Simon Peter's boat. He gets in the boat with Simon Peter. And he launches out. And he goes out and he preaches his word. It's reverberating off of the water so everybody can hear what he's got to say. And as he's done preaching, he then turns to Simon Peter and says, Now... Launch out your boat into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. He said, but Lord, we've toiled all night long and we've caught nothing. But nevertheless, by faith, come on somebody. At your word, at your request, we will obey you. And the Bible says when he obeyed God and let down his net, they were so full that they had to call for other people to come and help them get in the harvest of fish. A fisherman, watch it, a carpenter tells a fisherman how to do it because the carpenter happens to be Jesus who knows what you need before you even eat it. Somebody say amen to that. And so you got to learn to trust that. So in other words, he knew the answer was there's no fish in there, but your word says that there is, and something happened on their way to launch out into the deep and let down their nets for a catch. 
God sent a school, schools of fish to supply where there was none whatsoever. I hope you're catching this today. Vision is important. Vision is more important than sight. What do I mean by that? I'm talking about your 2020 eyeballs. I'm talking about vision is higher than what you can see in the natural. And it's what's required for spiritual insight. I'm going to end here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. And I will give you, Jesus said, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Heaven is not a seen realm. It's an unseen realm. It's a realm you receive by faith. We'll all see it one day. But we're in our earth suit right now. And so we can't see it that way unless God gives us glimpses of it. Heaven is constantly wanting to partner with you on earth. That the will of God is done on earth as it is in heaven but needs faith to fulfill your journey. Fear will keep you from God's best. I'm closing now. Fear will keep you from God's best, church. And the whole system of the world is governed by fear in order to keep you limited, in order to keep you corralled. The governments of this world are trying to keep and have been doing it for millennia trying to keep people corralled. And they do it by fear. I'm going to say something provocative. It might get me kicked off of Facebook. I don't know. If you report me, it might, but we'll see how far we get with this one today. I have never in my lifetime believed, nor have I seen with my own two eyes and heard with my own two ears, a day and hour which we live in, in the nations of the world, where it's so blatant you always suspected that governments are trying to control people. I've always been such a patriot that I just trusted my government. Oh, you hear stories and you dismiss them. And you hear another story and you go, well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's just that batch of people there. But now we're living in an hour, and that's why God has to expose us. And if you were here on Thursday, there's another prophecy given about exposure. He's going to be exposing this more and more. By the way, if you weren't here on Thursday, watch it, because I delivered a word that God gave me, a prophetic word, and it is powerful. He says, you can't hide from me. I know who you are. I know what you've done. And there's no more getting around it. I'm going to bring you into justice. And you will see it. Because enough is enough. God has heard our cries. The common people, us out here, we're being subjected to things we should not be subjected to. It's been happening forever. But now it's being exposed on another level. How do men, how does men, how does men control mankind? They can't do it with firepower because there's over 7 billion of us on the planet. If we ever rose up, crush them like a grape. If we ever rose up in unity, all the bad people be gone, trust me. And probably some good people too that we just thought were bad because we've had enough, right? Or like a, rev a revolution. Easy. Seven billion of us on the planet. It's a handful of them. So they can't control that way. Not enough guns. Not enough firepower. How do they control? Fear. Fear. This coronavirus... 
The more research I do and the more study I do, the more I'm going, oh my God, this thing is out of the pit of hell and it is not the devil running it. Men are running this and this thing is going to be exposed. And people are waking up going, my God, and it has nothing to do with political parties. Everybody's on the same page right now. Everybody is. Around the world. Italy. Do you see what's going on in Italy? Unbelievable. Australia? Unbelievable. People are rising up to the tyranny of their own governments. It has that, usually America leads the way. We haven't done that yet. It's going to happen. It will happen. My, my point is, is that it's to, it's to bind us up. Keep that mask on. Get that needle in your arm. Do what we tell you to do. We know better than you know. And they don't give us no, they don't tell us nothing. All of us are so confused we can't see straight. We don't know what to believe. And we don't know what's in what. What drug, I got, I mean, you're hearing nurses going, I'm not taking it. We don't trust it. Something's going on here. You say, well, I took it, Pastor. Oh, my God, I took it. Oh, my God, I took it. Oh, I'm going to die. No, 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 no. If we take any deadly thing, it shall by no means harm us. Claim and plead the blood over your body. Church, and we could be wrong. We could, it might be nothing wrong with it. I don't know. The whole point is nobody knows for sure. But the fear, the confusion is to keep people in a state of doing what they say. And you better not say nothing about it. We'll take you off the air. Don't you come against us in any way or we'll make sure you understand that your voice will be silenced. We are in, this is America. This is not communist China. This is America. And America is going, you ain't going to shut us up. We're not going to tolerate it. We will not. You're not closing our church doors down. You're not going to do it. So we will invent a boogeyman. We will invent something. We will invent something that, you know, will be like a coronavirus or something like that to get people, put them in check. Because that is real. There's nothing. I'm telling you, Corona's for real. And if you got it, you know, it's for real. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that this is being used as a fear tactic. What if we start hearing this? Y'all ready for this? And some of you, you never come back again. Your visitors are going to look at me and go, that preacher is crazy. Or I'm on to something. What if we start hearing alien invasion? Oh, you know the government released all the UFO stuff, right? And, the, and, the, and, the, and they're going, we can't believe what we're seeing. What is this thing? What is this thing? What? No government would ever release that on purpose and not have an answer as to what it is. And they probably shouldn't. It's either man-made or it's demonic. Because I'm here to tell you, folks, whether you believe it or not, there are not little green men on other planets. They're not aliens out there, extraterrestrial. But there are aliens that are interdimensional. They live in another realm called the realm of the spirit. And they are demonic and they, want to just, they seek to kill, steal, and destroy. And they will come to you as in what you want them to be in every generation. They'll come to you as what they want you to be. And they will give you information that will blow your mind. And then... The government starts saying, we got a problem. We got aliens coming in. If they really want to control the world with fear, that's one way they can do it. So look out. There might be an alien thing we see in the sky one day. 
And just remember what Pruitt said. It's either man-made or it's demonic. If there's some hologram going on up there, praise God, we'll just look at that and go, that's a lie, you're a lie. You are a lie. Just go about eating your potatoes, praise God, and drinking your soda pop. Amen. Because I'm telling you right now, that's how the enemy operates. What God needs is faith, belief in him. What's he saying? What's God up to? And you got to get that word from Thursday because God's saying he's telling you what he's up to, what he wants to do in the earth. And now is that time. If we'll step out in faith and begin to walk the walk that God called us to, something's going to happen along the way that we didn't see. And God's going to begin to open doors for us in a big way. Somebody say amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise in the house. I love y'all. What'd your pastor talk about today? Aliens. He's weird. I am a little weird. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't know. I think I might be right. 